Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. It's coming up my one of my favorite days throughout the entire year, and that is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I love Super Bowl Sunday because I love watching football. I love eating good food. But can I tell you one of my favorite things about Super Bowl Sunday has nothing to do with the game itself. You know what it's about? It's the commercials. Yeah, I love the commercials. And maybe that's just me coping with the fact that my team lost one game away from being in the Super Bowl this year. But it's true. Ask any of my friends or family uh, who have watched TV with me um, if I like commercials. And yeah, I tend to like focus more on the commercials than the actual TV event that I'm watching. Commercials, I find them to be wildly entertaining. I, t- I find them to be like actually really acute and specific, um, you know, commentaries on what's going on in our society. Yeah, they're fun to watch. It makes sense. And it makes sense that people pay a lot of money for Super Bowls and Super Bowl commercials. You know how much a 30-second commercial costs? Well, in 2002, it costs $2.5 million dollars. That's chump change for today because this year they're going for five and a half million dollars for just 30 seconds of commercial ads. It is, it's crazy that people will spend this kind of money, but they'll do it so that you buy their products and they're selling everything. They're selling everything from beer and soda to food and all sorts of kind of entertainment. They're selling apps. They're selling all sorts of technology and people will do whatever it takes to stand out. They'll do whatever it takes in this attention economy to get your attention and have you watch their commercial. You'll see all sorts of different ads, but you want to know one commercial you will not see? You will not see a commercial that is getting you to find your value, to find your happiness, your identity, and your blessedness in Jesus Christ. You won't find that commercial. You won't find that commercial out there. One, because God doesn't make commercials. And two, because I don't know of any churches that are going to spend five and a half million dollars for just 30 seconds. But don't worry. God actually has a really, really brilliant marketing plan. He has a really awesome advertisement plan. And it actually, it costs way more than five and a half million dollars. And this advertisement, it, well, it's actually gone more viral. It's been seen by more people than the most, uh, you know, popular commercial that has ever been played during the Super Bowl. You know what God's commercials, his, his marketing plan is? It's you. It's you and me. It is you and me that Christ has purchased and won through his his holy life, his innocent death and his resurrection. He said, I'm going to redeem you, not only to make you mine, but so other people will see you, they will look at you and they will see me. They will catch a glimpse of who I am, my love, my glory, my hope, my forgiveness. We're in Matthew chapter five and what we're doing this week is we're picking up Jesus' sermon on the mount where he says these words. He's talking on a mountain to a group of disciples that have gathered around him and these are the words that he said. Matthew chapter five, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. What's your name? My name is Matt. Your name is Taylor or Chester or Aaron or Matt. And I know a lot of you have the name John, but that's your parental name. What is your name? That's, that's kind of a question we've been thinking out throughout this sermon series. We've looked at who we are, but how God has made us new and given us a new name. In our first week, we talked about how Christ revealing his gospel to us, well, it makes us new, happier versions of ourselves. In week two, we looked at how in our baptism, God says to us what he said to Jesus in his baptism, that you are my daughter, you are my son, with whom I am well pleased. And, and he gives us a new name. He gives us a new name that we are now new, more confident versions of ourselves. Last week, we looked at how he fills us, which is righteousness, and he makes us new, more blessed, supremely blessed versions of ourselves. This week, God says in his word, I got another name for you. Just, I got actually two more names for you. Are you ready for the first name that he gives you? He says, this is it. He says, you are salt. That is your name. That is who you are. And you read that, you might go, are you serious? Like, why can't I have like supremely blessed me? Why salt? That's all you got, God? Like, why am I the table condiment that costs nearly next to nothing? Well, remember the context of when and where Christ is preaching this. He's preaching this back in the first century and he's preaching it in the Roman empire. And, and in that empire, they they didn't just go to get their salt at Wegmans or Giant. No, salt was something that was a hot commodity. You had to work really, really hard to get salt. You had to get seawater and you had to boil it in pans or bowls lined with lead. And then you would take what was left, the salt, and then you could use it. People worked really, really hard for it. It was something that was incredibly valuable. People would use it like money. They would trade with it. Actually, did you know... The, the Latin root word for salt is where we get our word salary from. What Jesus is saying when he says you are salt, he's saying you are valuable. You have incredible worth. You are something that I paid a lot for. I earned, I sent my son Jesus to purchase and win you from sin, from death and the devil. And now you are my own. That's what he's saying when he says you are salt. Take a look. Take a look on the screen here. Um, numbers one through 10. Let's call it a, a value chart. Let's say number one on this side is someone who does not think highly of themselves. They, they don't know their value. They don't know their worth. They don't know their purpose. And conversely, number 10 is someone who knows very clearly who they are, their purpose and their value where would you put yourself on there? Do you most days feel like a nine or a 10? Or do you feel lower than that? 
I'd like to stand up here and tell you that every single day I pop out of bed and I'm feeling like a nine or a 10 and I, I know who I am. I know that I'm salt. I know who Christ has made me to be. But the reality is most days I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a four. I'm acting like maybe a five or a six on a good days. And, and if you heard my self-talk, well, maybe you might think, well, man, you're, you're talking to yourself like you think you're a two or a three or, or a four. You like me in that? What number would you give yourself? I think pretty often we, we talk to ourselves in such a way or think of ourselves in such a way where we're not a nine or a 10. And, and can I tell you why that is? It's because the devil talks to us. It's because the devil likes to talk to us and he likes us to t- tell us lies. And before you think like this guy's being weird, like, you know, it's the devil. No, very, very seriously, I mean this. He is the father of lies. His, his native tongue, his native language is lies. It's what he's been doing from day one. It's what he loves to do. He loves to come to people who have value, who have worth, who have purpose in Christ and say, you're worthless. You are truly the scum of the earth. You, you're not the salt of the earth. You're the bottom of the barrel. You've lost your saltiness. Do you realize how you keep doing the same things over and over again, you don't have any value with Christ. You don't have any value with God. You think you did something this week? No, you barely did anything except try to survive. You're worthless. Satan loves to come and tell us that. And listening to that, we call it negative self-talk, but it's satanic speech. Well, it, it makes us forget a certain and sure promise of our God. You want to know how you can uh, put Satan behind you? How you can tell him to get behind you? Well, it's it's remember these words, this sermon from Jesus who, who told you, you are salt. You have incredible worth. You have incredible value. Christ Jesus had to earn you and he did it in the most dramatic way. He did it in the most loving way. He gave himself up for you. It was his holy precious blood that paid for you to be his own. You are valuable. You are worth so much because Christ died for you, rose for you, lives for you, reigns for you even today. You want to know a little fun fact? Uh, George Washington, man of many talents, uh, he was uh, also uh, really an expert in salting. He would catch um, herring on the Potomac River. And then what he did really, really well and was known throughout the country and the world for is he would pack them full of salt and he would sell them nationally and internationally. And the amazing thing was, do you know how long a packed uh, herring uh, packed with salt would would last and, and keep its freshness and value? Well, it was sometimes years and years, and this is before refrigerators. But Jesus is telling you is, is that he went out fishing for you. Even when you were trying to swim away, even when you were trying to get away from him, he got you. He brought you in and then he packed you full of his righteousness, his holiness, his freedom, and his forgiveness his value, his worth, and he gives that to you. He not only gives you value and worth, he gives you a purpose. Well, and that's to preserve things because he then calls you to be fishers of people, of of men and women, and go and, and fill them with the same saltiness with which you have been filled. You have a purpose. And that's what he gets in with the next name. He said, not just one name for you. He says, I got two names for you and you are light. 
You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. This is a familiar one, right? Christians perhaps maybe don't know the salty one as much, but, but they hear the light one all the time. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine. We say that. We use that mantra, right? But do you really stop and think about what that means, the significance of the fact that you are light? I'm perhaps like most of you, I sleep with my phone next to my bed. I do it for a couple of reasons, I'll admit, because I scroll through social media and news apps. Um, but I also do it because it serves as an alarm clock. And uh, get this, my phone has this flashlight built in. So when my kids wake up in the middle of the night, I don't have to turn on all the lights. I can like use this light to go and help them, right? Well, recently I was thinking like, okay, it's not that great of a thing. I'm losing sleep over scrolling through social media. So I'm going to plug it in downstairs or I'm going to plug it into my bathroom. That's going to be really wise, right? And the very first night, one of my, one of my children woke up and I was going to go help them. And I realized I didn't have a light. I didn't have any flashlights nearby. But I said to myself, you know, Matt, you got this. You've done this a hundred times before. You've walked through your room a thousand times before. You don't need a light. And so I went traipsing off to go help my son and I rounded the corner of my bed and I smashed my shin right into the edge of my bed and I have a big old gash in the middle of my leg right now. I needed light. I think that's a lot like um, a lot of people maybe yourself, uh, we, we think going through life, we've been, we've been here before. I can do this. I understand where I am. I got this. And then, well, we hit something. The proverbial stuff hits the fan. Something happens in life that hurts. Something happens in life that makes us realize that we are, well, living in cloudiness, in darkness, and it's not good, and, and we're hurt for it. But then what do you do? <laughs> what do you do when you realize that? What do you do when someone else realizes that? Well, you don't know what God says? <laughs> he says, you step in. He says, you are light. Light, the kids said it before, light has a purpose. It is to help people see things. It is to help people understand things. And God says, you are the light of the world. You get to show that you have the love of Christ, the light of Christ, all of the blessings of Christ in your life. And you get to help people with that. You get to help people so they don't hurt themselves with that. So stop hiding. He says in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Could that be true? That the women, the men, the kids who are here today, that it's, you're it. <laughs> You are God's advertisement plan. You're his rescue plan. He says, you're lights. You're the people that I count on to help others see. Well, let's answer that question. And I'm actually gonna need uh, some help to do that. Can I, can I ask for two volunteers to help me out? Don't worry, you don't, don't have to stay anything. You just have to stand here and uh, smile. Can I ask for two volunteers, please? All right, Papa Lears, thank you so much. 
Come on up. Becca, would you stand over here, please? And Matt, I'm going to ask you to stand right here. And because Becca is so vibrant, so radiant, we're going to say that, uh, Becca, you're God, okay? And you're going to represent God, the triune God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, in all his glorious, in all his brilliance. You're him. That's the rope. Don't let go of that, okay? All right. And Matt, you're just like you and me. Not that we just have the same name, Matt, but that we're Christians, okay? And we are tethered. We are tied to uh Christ Jesus, by grace, he gives us faith and he holds us to him. Don't let go of this rope. Actually, back up, you two. Um, hold it tight, okay? What happens throughout life is that um, oftentimes we do things called sin, right? We separate ourselves from Christ. And we talked about sin last week. We said that sin is, is doing your own thing. Uh, God says this, but you're going to go off and do your own thing. And and so it happens that, well, the rope gets, you know, it gets frayed a little bit. It it gets broken. And if you can't see it, it's made up of three strands. One gets caught, taut, or cut. It's, It's not as tight anymore. And we keep doing that until eventually we sin. We sin in our life and that separates us from God. That's what sin does. We're walking around in the darkness. We are not taut. We are not tight to Christ, the light of the world anymore. Seems hopeless, doesn't it? And something really amazing happens. The light of God's word comes and the light of the world, you and me who have the word of God comes and we share with one another, with people in this world, a message, a message that God loves you, a message that God forgives you. And so he does this, hold tight and don't, don't let go. You see, what God does in his word is this that was not tight anymore. He actually comes, take a step closer, Matt, would you, to Christ and he ties a knot in the rope and he says, don't let go. Like, you're still here. He ties you to him. And did you see what happened there? Uh, You got closer to him. And then that happens throughout our lives, right? Where sin happens and we keep cutting ourselves off from Christ. But then the light of the gospel comes and says, you're forgiven. And would you come a little bit closer here? And this is what happens. Every time you hear the light of the gospel, you hear that message of forgiveness, he brings you closer to Christ. And it happens throughout our lives. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Stand next to your daughter here. Until you are right next to him, you are with him throughout his life. And what's been true all along that he is with you tight towards you. He never lets you go and you stand there in the brilliance and the glory of Christ in your God, and you reflect that into your life. Let's give the Papaliers a round of applause. Thank you guys so much for coming up here. I really appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I bought that rope at Home Depot for one illustration, and I'm like, you know what? I can't believe I bought a rope for one illustration. Now it's two. Totally worth it. So that's great. What Christ does is that he ties a rope to us. He ties a rope to us um, with knots that you can't undo. He ties a rope to us that that you can't break and he tethers himself to you. And you see, we get to be the light of the world. And it's important before you are the light to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors, you understand why. (laughs) You understand why you are the light of the world. It's not because of you. It's not because of your greatness, your brilliance, or your, your intelligence. No, it's because over and over again, that is true. Christ loves you. He forgives you and he brings you to him again and again and again. Over and over again, he lets you know that that is who you are. Listen, I 
I was thinking about this sermon, this very last one, and I, I was trying to think of a word that summarizes, you know, what Christ is saying to us in his word when he says, you are a new you. You are, a, a, you are salt. You are light. What are you? You are a new, well, I came up with this word. I, I had to look it up. It's a new effervescent you. Um, it's a fun word to say. And I don't know if you know what it means. It, it means bubbly. It means you are very enthusiastic, spirited, lively, uh, full of life. And, and that's what he's saying. You are bubbling over with the love of God because he has filled you. He has poured into you his love. You can live an enthusiastic, optimistic, spirited life because he has poured into you his spirit, his spirit. And by him, through, through him, you can live. You can sparkle, you, you can be light, you can be bright because he who is the light of life shines on you, shines through the doom and the gloom of our sin and he is the one who makes us who we are. That's why you are a new you, a new effervescent you. And I don't think uh, anybody um, maybe knows that um, as I was thinking through this more than Lizzo. Do you guys know who Lizzo is? I didn't. I had to ask my wife about this and, and read about it um, in Time Magazine. But if you don't know who Lizzo is, you soon will know who she is. And if you've never heard her music, she's a pop artist. Um, I, well, the chances are good that you have heard her music before because she's on like more commercials that I can count right now. But Lizzo is a pop artist who is fun, who is loud, who is proud, who is effervescent, and all of the synonyms of effervescent, loud, and proud that you can be. And this past year, she was an amazing artist who blew up and was named 2019's Time Magazine's uh, Entertainer of the Year. And I was reading about her in this article, and, and this really stood out to me. The article said this, Attending a Lizzo concert feels like worshiping at the church of self-love. If your preacher was a pop star living joyfully in a big body, delivering a sermon of self-acceptance, that's as frank as it is acceptable. At a time when Instagrammers are shilling flat tummy tea or pretending to eat a giant cheeseburger, Lizzo sells something more radical. The idea that you are already enough. Do you see it? <laughs> like Lizzo can ignore all the haters who say what they want about her music, about her body, about who she is, because she believes that she is enough. How much more you? <laughs> you are already enough. And you are already enough because you are at a church that is not preaching a sermon about self-love, but you are preaching and hearing the message of Christ's love about the Alpha and Omega, the creator of the world, making you his own. And you're not hearing a sermon about self-acceptance, but you're hearing a sermon about the fact that Christ accepts you. He accepts you for who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, in spite of yourself, he is the one who is tying a knot to you, bringing you closer and closer to him over and over again. You are enough. You are light. You are salt. You are supremely blessed, more confident, more happy you because of Christ and who he made you to be. You're already enough. And, <laughs> and you have a purpose. That's who you are. And, and this, is, this is who well, who the world needs you to be. Let me give you one more Lizzo comparison, okay? The article goes on. It says, Lizzo is particularly appealing this year, 2019, with the internet 
a scary toilet, measles somehow making a comeback, and everyone just memeing themselves through it because no one can afford to go to therapy. In 2019, Lizzo was a beam of light shining through doom and gloom, telling us to love ourselves, even if the world doesn't always love us back. We needed her. There is an irony uh, about this sermon series. It's called New Year, New You. <laughs> but I gotta tell you something. Like, what we've been talking about is not new. <laughs> it doesn't matter it's a new year. It doesn't matter 29's come and gone, 2020's here. No, y- you have been a new you from all eternity. You have been renewed from before time began because your God had a plan to redeem you, to make you new, to make you his. That is who you are. It's an old, old story. It's nothing new. It's an old story that I love to tell, that, that I hope you love to tell too, because the world needs you. You are needed. You are needed because people are just memeing themselves through life because they don't, they don't know what else to do. Make a joke out of it, go to therapy for it. There's gloom and doom out there. And what people need to know is what you know is that even when you feel tasteless, like a tasteless sinner, you you have not lost your saltiness because that is who you are and Christ has made you that. Even though you might feel there are days where things are dark and there is only gloom and doom, Christ says, think again (laughs) because you are light. You are the light of the world. You can't be hidden. Don't hide yourself anymore. The world needs you. It needs who you are. That's the kind of light I want to be. (laughs) Salt with swag, salt with certainty, a light that is clear. (laughs) Because after after being light, after being salt, it's hard. And Satan does. He works really, really hard to to try to make you feel purposeless and worthless. And yet I I want to be salt. I want to be light that, that goes to bed after being the light of the gospel and wakes up. And you want to know what Satan says when my feet hit the ground? Oh, shoot. Oh, here he is again. I tried to put that light under a bowl. I tried to make her lose her saltiness, but she's at it again, (laughs) shining for others to see so others might know the glory of God. It's nothing new. It's the old, old story of Jesus and his love that makes you who you are, a renewed you. Amen. Amen.